Welcome to Hosanna. Uh, my name is Jason. I'm one of the pastors here on staff, and we really believe the Lord led you here today. We really believe that God has something specific for you, so, so glad that you're with us. Uh, what's going to happen during our time together is that we're going to begin with a time of singing, and then after that, we're going to continue our big questions series. And I can tell you, we have received a lot of questions, and so today you're in for a treat because you're going to be hearing uh, from a roundtable of our four campus pastors answering some of the questions that you submitted. And then at the end of the service today, we're gonna to be celebrating communion together. So now's a great time to grab some bread, some juice, some wine, whatever you have, so that you're ready when we come together at the communion table. And then finally, uh, just a reminder that next weekend is Mother's Day, guys. Next, next weekend, fellas, Mother's Day weekend, and we always try to elevate Mother's Day and Father's Day here at Hosanna, and this year, we need your help. We want to hear a story and a picture of your mom. And uh, husbands, uh, you can submit for your wife if she's a mom. If you have a friend who's a single mom, uh, we want to hear from them as well. So please, this week, uh, either by the app or by going to our website, you can submit the stories and the pictures so that we can help honor moms this coming Mother's Day. So that said, we are gonna turn our attention toward a time of worship. It's just a way that we express our love and gratitude back to God. And as we always do, we start with a piece of scripture, reading a verse or two, because we really believe that God's word to us through the Bible is what we should base our life and faith on. And this week, we're anchoring in on the same verse we've been anchoring in on these last couple weekends that remind us that there's no place that we can go, no circumstance that we can go through where we are disconnected from God. The Apostle Paul is reminding us of this in Romans chapter 8. Read along if you would like to. He says, for I am convinced that nothing can ever separate us from God's love, neither death nor life, neither angels nor demons, neither our fears for today nor our worries about tomorrow. Indeed, nothing in all creation will ever be able to separate us from the love of God that is revealed in Christ Jesus our Lord. Let's worship together.
with the crown God of revival pour it out
cast my mind to Calvary where Jesus bled and died for me I see his wounds his hands his feet my savior and cursed tree his body bound and drenched in tears they laid him down in Joseph's tomb. The entrance sealed by heavy stone. Messiah still and all
Oh, Jesus, we're so thankful that you do reign over all the earth and that you freely pour out your spirit upon us, God. If we only we ask, you give freely. And God, we just pour that back onto you, what you've given us. We're so thankful, God. So thankful for your presence. We love you. In your name we pray. Amen, amen. Hello, Hosanna. My name is Tony Caterina. I'm the director of the Heart Ministries, and I am on the COVID-19 task force. And here we are in the middle of the warehouse out at Shakopee. Um, I want to first and foremost thank you for the wonderful Easter offering where um, just because of your generosity, we are able to make thousands of making room care kits. We're here in Shakopee tonight. We're doing our food distribution for the COVID-19 response. Um, we're in partnership with uh, Hosanna uh, Shakopee staff along with uh, the Jordan schools and the Shakopee schools are trying to enhance their food programs. So we expect to have uh, anywhere from 250 to 300 families come through tonight. We just want to say thank you from heart to you all at Hosanna. You are making a difference beyond what you could even imagine. Well, hello, everyone. My name is Per Nielsen. I'm one of the pastors here at Hosanna. I have the privilege of serving at the Lakeville campus, and it is so good to be with you worshiping today. Um, just a reminder that we are going to be celebrating Holy Communion at the end of our time of worship, and I want to encourage you to take a moment right now to grab some wine, some grape juice, uh, some crackers, some bread, so that we can celebrate the Lord's Supper together. It is indeed a blessing to be able to do that. And I also want to extend a word of thanks for all of your faithful giving, uh, for all of your faithful giving that has supported the ministries that Hosanna has in place and the expanding ministries that we've been able to engage. You heard about some of the expansion that's taking place through our COVID-19 response, but it goes well beyond that. We're reaching more people than we ever have online. Uh, we have partnerships with school systems and cities and other civic agencies so that we're continuing to move the word of God out and provide the resources that people uh, are in need of at this time in life when they're struggling and when their hearts are open to receiving gifts that are life. So thank you, thank you for that. Um, just a reminder that you can give in a number of different ways. You can text Hosanna Church to 77977. You can go out online. You can give online or through our app. Or if you would like to, you can also send in uh, a check, and you can do that to the address on the screen. Once again, thank you for your faithfulness and giving. Let's continue to expand God's kingdom in this season. Uh, I've got to tell you that I am just absolutely excited about today, and I'm excited for two reasons. The first is this. Um, I'm excited to be able to respond to your questions. Um, we have had many, many questions come in, and today we have the privilege of being able to respond to some of them, not all of them. It's almost like there was a veneer on our life that got pulled off, and the questions that we've had churning around inside have now started bubbling to the surface. And so what we're going to be doing today is we're going to be tending to four of those questions, big questions, and, and we're doing so because they were the ones that were most normally referred to uh, in the questions that were submitted. So here are the questions that we're going to be dealing with today. We're going to be dealing with this question, why is heaven important? 
Secondly, we're going to be taking off the message that Pastor Jason gave a couple of weeks ago and Pastors Ryan and Jen gave this past week about the notion of events in our lives or suffering. And we're going to talk about some causes for events in our life and the suffering that may come from those events. Uh, third, we're going to address the question of God's sovereignty, God's plan for our life, and our choices or our free will and how those things intersect. And finally, we're going to ask the big question, does God exist? And talk about some reasons that we can say that God exists. We recognize that we're not going to be able to get to all of the nuances in these questions, but we do hope that we can be a catalyst for some further investigation and give you some hope in the name of Jesus Christ as we respond to these questions through personal stories and through biblical interaction. Um, the second reason that I am just so excited uh, is because I have some of my favorite people up here with me. We have the campus pastors from each of the campuses with us. We have Pastor Peter Ide from Rosemont. We have Pastor Dean Swenson from Northfield and Pastor Aaron Davich from over in Shakopee. And together we're going to be responding to those questions. Um, and what's going to be transpiring is this. We're going to take about five minutes each to take one of those questions on. Um, we'll respond to it with some personal reflection, some biblical reflection, and then hopefully that will be a catalyst for you to be able to continue your investigation. The very first of those questions is a, is a big one, and it's an important one, and I'm so glad that Pastor Dean is going to be responding to it because his life experience pours into this question naturally. But I also have to say this, that it's a question that has emerged from many, many people across the world because of the challenge of life and death that has been brought forth through the COVID-19 experience. And the question is simply this, why is heaven important? Why is heaven important? Pastor Dean? Thanks, Perry. I appreciate it. It's good to be with you guys as we share God's word here today. And I would say this, the, the reason that it matters is, is, is that our eternity is at stake. And so what that means is, you know, a lot of people are asking the question with this COVID virus, the COVID-19, the coronavirus coming through, that a lot of people are wondering, what does this mean for me? What does my own eternal future look like? And I think back to about a month ago when uh, then a bunch of musicians and celebrities got together and they sang a rallying song. Uh, a lot of times that'll happen in our country. They'll, they'll have a song and we'll get comforted by that. And the song they chose about a month ago was, was Imagined by John Lennon. And I was thinking about the words of that. It says, imagine there's no heaven. It's easy if you try. Imagine there's no hell. Above us is only sky. And I thought to myself, with all the people around the world that are dying and suffering as a result of this, I said, where's the hope in that? Friends, there's hope in heaven. And it comes in the name of Jesus Christ. Even Barna Research tells us in the survey that they took that 81% of people believe that there is heaven. 69% of people believe in that there is a hell. And so we want, it's important for us to understand what heaven looks like and what the answer to that looks like. And where do we get the answers? We find it in, in Scripture. So I want to share with you a passage found in Ecclesiastes. It's 3.11. It says this. It says, He has planted eternity in every human heart. We're hardwired for eternity. Isn't that great news? That heaven waits within us, but it comes through that relationship named Jesus. Another question that came to us was, does heaven exist? And I can only speak from experience here, is that uh, in 1994, in the summer of 94, my twin brother Dale took his own life uh, as a result of some mental illness that he struggled with. And that was a difficult time for me. The grieving was extremely heavy, and I was having a hard time getting through that. And it was the night before my brother Dale's celebration of life service 
where at about 3.14 in the morning, particularly, I woke up, and I was cold, my body was cold, and I looked at the clocks at 3.14, and as I looked at the clock, I saw a vision of my brother Dale. I didn't know what it was. I thought I was sleeping or dreaming. So I pinched myself, and I slapped myself a few times just to make sure that I was awake. And as I looked at my brother Dale in that vision, my brother Dale turned around and walked out down the hallway into the kitchen, through the living room to the front door. And I proceeded to follow Dale along that path. And as we got to the front door, my brother Dale turned around and he looked at me and he said this. I'll never forget it. He says, Dean, I'm in a better place. And all that grief that was in my life that was a part of me, it lifted. Joy overcame me and I kept my eyes fixed on Jesus. And I know the promises of scripture that says that we will be reunited with our loved ones again and I will see Dale again. You know, another verse that uh, gives us great comfort is in the book of John, John 14, uh, verses 1 through 6. And I want to just encourage you about four promises that I find in that scripture. Let's look at that together. The first promise is this, is that we can have peace. We don't have to fear death because Jesus has overcome the grave, right? Uh, verse 1 says, let not your hearts be troubled. Believe in God, believe also in me. I believe what can trouble us most, friends, is when we think that death is the end instead of the beginning. God tells us in 2 Corinthians 5, 1, he says, For we know that if this earthly house, this tent is destroyed, we will have a building from God, a house not made with hands, it's eternal in the heavens. So God gives us peace. The second promise that God gives us, that Jesus promises us, is that there's a place. He says that Jesus prepares a place for all of his believers. Isn't that good news? And he says it in verse 2. It says, In my Father's house there are many rooms. If it were not so, would I have told you that I've gone to prepare a place for you? The great thing about the word rooms is it means abide or to remain in, in the Greek language. So heaven is God's dwelling place. It's not temporary, but it's a permanent place that he offers you and me. The third promise God makes in this passage of John talks about the promises that he will personally receive us when our time has come. He says in verse 3, if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come and take you to where I am. And so he re reinforces that statement in John 14, verse 18. He says, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. The promise that Jesus is making to you and me today is that if we put our full confidence in Jesus Christ, we will be with him for eternity. I think it's incredible news. The final and fourth plan is this, is that Jesus gives us a plan, and that plan is himself. That there's only one way to enter into heaven. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Whoever follows me will not perish, but they'll have eternal life. God wants us to have that eternal life. He's promising that he's the way, and that there's no other way except through Jesus Christ. I love this passage. I love these passages because it reminds me that Jesus isn't being exclusive at all. He wants everyone to be with him. In fact, in 2 Peter 3.9, he says, God does not want anyone to be destroyed. They want us to be with him. So we must repent and acknowledge that Jesus is the way. In conclusion, I just want to say this. There's a story of a young boy that was flying a kite. And he kept letting the string out on that kite. It kept higher and higher and higher. And he looked at it, and a young man came up, and he said, Hey, young boy, what are you doing? He says, well, I'm flying a kite. And the man looked up in the sky, and he couldn't see the kite because it was behind a cloud. And he said to him, I don't see the kite. How do you know that it's still there? Well, the boy said, because I can feel it tugging on the string. 
Friends, I want to remind you that I believe that God's tugging on everyone's heart today. I think that's why this question is so important. What is, why is heaven so important? Because our eternal destination depends on it. I would say this. I'll finish with this. Heaven is a, a place that God has prepared for us, and he's prepared it for those people that are prepared. Meaning that we need to know Jesus Christ and have that personal relationship with him. That's the only thing that matters when it comes to heaven. Amen. Nina, I just absolutely love every time you share that story because this is real life for you. This is, this is a part of your real journey. And to be able to wrap it into that John 14 passage and to remind us that the Lord has prepared a place for us and that our preparation is to come to him. I mean, what a gift of grace that is. That's the heart of the gospel. Heart of the gospel. Thank you. Thank you. Our second question really comes out of the first two messages that we had in our series. Pastor Jason talked about human suffering in message number one, and last week, Pastors Ryan and Jen talked about, about the nature of prayer. But in the midst of that message, they also spoke about this thorn in the flesh, the suffering that happens, a messenger of Satan. And so there are a lot of questions that have come in, in and around causes for pain in our life. And maybe even more broader than that, causes for events in our life. So I've asked Pastor Aaron from Shakopee to address that question. Biblically, what are some of the causes for events and suffering in our life? Pastor Aaron. Well, I'm so glad someone asked that question. It's been an important one in my life because it's given me a framework through which to process events and to guide me in how best to respond. And though the Bible doesn't answer all our questions about why a particular form of suffering comes into our lives, to use the analogy that Pastor Jason used earlier in the series, it does give us some lights to guide us through the fog of suffering. And here are five that I see. First of all, we live in a fallen world. When Adam and Eve sinned in the Garden of Eden, they unleashed forces of dysfunction and disorder into God's good creation. And ever since, Things are very much not the way it's supposed to be. The book of Romans says that all creation is groaning and that we ourselves groan with it in our bodies, longing to enter into the fullness and freedom of our redemption one day. How often have you heard about some horrible event in the world or experienced some pain in your life and you couldn't help but just groan deep within and cry out to yourself, this is not the way it's supposed to be. And you're right. And that's what the lament psalms in the Bible are all about. The Lord has been teaching me about lament and the importance of lament. One-third of the 150 psalms in our scriptures are psalms of lament. Often when we experience suffering and we don't know how best to respond, often the best place to start is to simply lament, to cry out with the psalmist, how long, O Lord? And the good news is that as Christians, we have the hope that Jesus will return one day and he will make all things new. The second cause of suffering in our lives is other people's choices. The very first picture the Bible gives us of life outside the Garden of Eden is Cain killing his brother Abel. All of us have been affected negatively by someone else's choices in our lives, whether that's your parents, a spouse, a child, government leaders, even choices made by people generations ago. In fact, going all the way back to Adam and Eve. A third source of suffering in our lives is that we have a spiritual enemy, the devil. The Bible says that uh, Satan is like a crafty serpent. He's deceitful and sneaky. He's like a roaring lion prowling around looking for someone to devour. He's like a thief who comes to steal and kill and destroy. 
The Apostle Paul in the book of Ephesians chapter 6 says that our battle is not ultimately against flesh and blood, but against spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. And often in the West, we tend to forget about this, but it's a very important part of the biblical worldview. And when we forget about it, we fail to use the armor of God and the spiritual weapons that he's given us and the authority that he's given us in Jesus to resist this particular form of suffering. A fourth cause of suffering is we have to face it. Sometimes it's our own choices. How, who, how many of us couldn't say that we haven't brought harm on ourselves through unwise choices? I know I have at times. And sometimes we increase our sufferings by responding to suffering that comes our way with further unwise choices, which brings harm on ourselves and on those we love. And fifth, sometimes the challenging events in our lives is God doing a pruning work in our life. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches, and my father is the gardener. And he cuts back or prunes every branch in me that's bearing fruit so that it'll be even more fruitful. And the pruning process does not feel good. It hurts. But I know that when I've recognized God's doing a pruning work in my life and I've submitted to it and been teachable and tried to have an open heart to receive his good purposes in it, it's been life-changing. And so in conclusion... We suffer, I see five events, five causes for events in our lives. We live in a fallen world, other people's choices. We have a spiritual enemy who's out to steal, kill, and destroy. Sometimes it's our own foolish choices. And sometimes God is doing a pruning work in our lives. And we can't forget that sometimes in the Bible, we see it's actually a combination of a few of these. And perhaps humility and wisdom would say, sometimes we may not know but these are five that we do know from Scripture, and I hope you find them helpful. Aaron, thanks so much for that. I know that uh, when I started investigating those causes for events in the world, too, it completely reshaped how I viewed many things that were taking place. And um, I don't know about you, but one of the things that it did for me was that it, it uh, caused me to think twice about times that I would blame things on other people or other situations in life. So thank you. Thank you for that. The third question that we're going to jump into has to do with God's sovereignty and God's plan and our free will and our choices and how those things intersect, how they come together. I've asked Pastor Peter I to tend to that question. Peter. So free will, sovereignty. It's, it's a, a question that's been debated for thousands of years. And in those thousands of years of debate, a lot of mysteries have come about. But yet in this, there's something that's amazing and beautiful in God's design as we look at this big question. When I was growing up, my dad bought me my first bicycle. It was an orange banana seat bicycle from a store called Kmart. And my dad brought it home. He had paid for it. He assembled it. He uh, presented me with the bicycle. And then he said he wanted to teach me how to ride. So on the farm, I got on the bike, put my feet on the pedals, and he put his hand on the back of that big orange banana seat. And then he proceeded to give me instructions on how to ride this bicycle. And when I followed the instructions, it was going really well. But when I started to do my own thing, it kind of started to maybe almost put us into the gravel road. Then dad takes and lets go. And off I go. And I'm riding around the farm. And he's just yelling, cheering me on, saying I'm doing a great job, reminding me of what it, you know, how to ride that bike, how to make it go well. And I was doing really good. And then I decided to exhibit my own free will and tried to do things I had seen on TV by this, 
motorcycle daredevil named Evil Knievel uh, that resulted in stitches. What I do remember is that my dad was cheering me on. He was so proud of me and this bike that he had gotten me, and I loved to ride that bike. When it comes to sovereignty and free will, we look at sovereignty, and we know this about sovereignty. It means authority, all power. And I have a lot of comfort, honestly, in that God is sovereign. And the reason is because of God's character. It's good, it's loving, it's merciful. And yet, what we find in Romans is this beautiful explanation about God's sovereignty. And it's in Romans 11.36. And it says this, For everything comes from him, and exists by his power, and is intended for his glory. All glory to him forever. Amen. This sovereign God created us in his image. Now, what that means is, it created us in a way so that we could love, so that we could know justice, we could know mercy, we could know a relationship. He could have honestly created robots. That would have probably been a lot easier. Uh, there'd be no issues, no fails, but also robots can't experience love. And God, his, his very being being love, wanted us to know that. He wanted us to experience love, and he wanted us to know uh, a relationship with him. He made us to glorify him and to live a life that reflects him as our creator. God chose in his free will to make us free will. So free will uh, actually caused some of our demise. You remember the story of Adam and Eve in Genesis. It was their free will when they exhibited it against God, disobeying God, is how sin entered into the world and entered into humanity. That's what makes this beautiful tension come alive so well in the gospel. You know the verse, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. God chose to love us so that we could love him. He knew that we could not love him without him first loving us. As a people who live by their choices, God makes a choice about our choices because of his love for us. So there's two things I wanna leave with you in this that we know are true and we can hang on to so, so well. And the first one is this. Our free will, our choices, are sometimes in line with God. And we know and experience a great, great, great ride. Sometimes we go outside of that, and then we may need some spiritual stitches. But what's great is even when we go outside of God's will in exhibiting our free will and our choices, he even meets us there and makes himself known even when we go off the track. The second part is, is that because of God choosing us first, we can reject him, we deny him, we even end up ignoring him. But God doesn't stop pursuing us. He never stops loving us. He never stops coming after us. And even more, his sovereignty, which we find comfort in, can never be undone by our choices. He reigns, he reigns. Jesus is on the throne and he reigns. So in God's sovereignty of, of our Father, what's so amazing is that he's cheering us on he wants us to ride. He wants us to choose. He wants us to experience him, relationship with him, and know his love because it's all for him, because of him, and through him, and in him, in Jesus. And it's good. Amen. Thanks, Peter. Evil can evil. 
Yeah, there's, <laughs> lot, there's lots of scars. <laughs> <laughs> That's so great. That's so great. But what a great image, right? Mm -hmm. Riding a bike. Your dad letting go, but cheering you on the whole way. And that's mm -hmm. what the Lord does for us, even in the midst of our crazy choices mm -hmm. in life. Yeah, Amen. thank you for that gift. Question number four is one that um, is important for me. And the question is, does God exist? And it's an important question because it's one that I had to confront regularly when I was in college. I majored in mathematics and physics. And there in the physics labs, the biology labs, the mathematics rooms, um, there was a lot of conversation about the reality of God as all of these science-oriented people um, explored life and, and were looking at the material world. Um, and so it's, it's an important question for my heart, but it's an also an important question for many of you. Uh, and here's why. Um, because in this time of COVID-19, many have been asking the question, you know, with so much pain in the world, is, is God real? Uh, with the grief that I'm feeling in my heart, is God real? Uh, the prayers that I'm praying don't seem to be answered. Is God real? Uh, there are three ways that I'd like to set before you that I respond yes to that question, does God exist? Um, number one, I've experienced him. Uh, God came into my life when I was a 17-year-old kid, changed my world, and has allowed me to experience 40-plus years of recovery and faithful service, a great family. I've experienced him. I've watched him work in my life. My experience says God is real. The second area actually goes back to uh, my science and mathematics background. Um, as I began to explore the existence of God and take a look at the fine-tuning of the universe, the intricacy of, of the created order, the fact that everything came out of nothing, the most natural result of that exploration said to me, there's got to be a creator behind it all. There's got to be something else there behind it all. Interestingly, the Apostle Paul also speaks about this. He talks to the Roman community in the book of Romans, the first chapter. Apparently, people are asking the question of God's existence. And here's what he says in Romans 1, starting at verse 19. He says, they know the truth about God because he has made it obvious to them. Looking at creation. For ever since the world was created, people have seen the earth and sky. Through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power and divine nature. So they have excuse for not knowing God. They have no excuse for not knowing God. It's a pretty blunt statement. They have no excuse. Look at crea the created order. There's got to be something there. Um, but the most important reason that I say yes to God's existence is the person of Jesus. Um, without ever picking up the Bible, we can take a look in history and we can know that Jesus lived, that he was crucified, and that people proclaimed him as raised from the dead. When we pick up the scriptures, we can examine the fact that not only did Jesus live, but he claimed to be God in the flesh. When he died on the cross, he claimed that he wasn't just dying, but he was dying for the forgiveness of sins. And that Jesus himself said that he will rise from the dead on the third day. Now, if his crucifixion and his resurrection are real, if they occurred, it validates everything else that he said. He said that God is real, that he has a father in heaven, and that he himself is a reflection. He himself is God incarnate in the world. He said that he is the way, the truth, and the life, that he brings life to bear. He brings abundant life, and he brings eternal life to bear. 
If his death and resurrection are true, then he validates all of those things. That's why Jesus is so important to me, and I would pray that Jesus is that important to you. He is to this church. That's why our invitation is for you to say yes to Jesus, to give your life to Jesus, to follow Jesus, because we believe that his death and his resurrection is absolutely everything. If you're questioning um, the reality of Jesus for your life and you want to talk more about it, we as campus pastors would love to connect with you about that. You can send us an email. We'd love to spend time with you. We can talk with you on the phone, have a Zoom call, whatever it might be, because we believe it is that important for your life. Just prior to Jesus giving his life on the cross, he sat down with his disciples and he said, I, I want you to know that it's this important. And so for you to remember me, I'm giving you this meal that you can share. I want you to do this so that you can remember my life, my death, my resurrection. And that in my life, my death, my resurrection, God has said yes to you. The God of all eternity has said yes to you, and he invites you to say yes to him each and every day. I've asked Pastor Aaron from Shakopee to lead us in the celebration of Holy Communion. Pastor Aaron? The Apostle Paul said in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 11 that when we partake of the Lord's Supper together, we're making a proclamation. We're proclaiming the Lord's death until he comes. So what that means is that this meal is a meal that looks back in remembrance and in gratitude for our Lord's loving self-sacrifice on the cross to rescue and save us, and it looks forward until he comes. The Lord is going to come back again. He's going to make all things new. Our faith will be turned to sight, and we'll be able to ask the Lord himself all of our big questions. So in that hope, I'd like to invite you now to the table of the Lord. I'd also like to invite you to grab your bread, your wine, your juice, or whatever you have available to you. I'm going to walk you through this, and then we'll partake of the elements together. The Lord Jesus, on the night when he was betrayed, took bread. And after giving thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after supper, he took the cup, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, poured out for the forgiveness of sins. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. To prepare our hearts to receive the body and blood of our Lord in the elements, let's pray the prayer our Lord Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen. And now, would you take the bread and hear these words. This is the body of Christ, broken for you. Take and eat. Now would you take the cup and hear these words. This is the blood of Christ shed for you. Take and drink.
And now receive this communion blessing. May the body and blood of our Lord strengthen you and keep you in his grace. Amen. As we conclude this service, I want to leave you with this ancient blessing. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. We look forward to seeing you next weekend for Mother's Day.